Before I begin this podcast with uh, Matt Macera, I just want to let you know there is some graphic information in this, so make sure you prepare accordingly. Good morning and welcome to Conversations with Buddy, where we hear the stories of average people and how they overcame the challenges that life brings. We do these uh, podcasts live here from the Rec Podcast Studio in Kaiser, Oregon. If you've never been here before, you should come out and do uh, a round of bowling. It's a lot of fun. This morning, I'm super excited for my guest this morning. Uh, he's a good friend and brother. His name is Matt Macera. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Glad to have you, man. I'll just tell just a, briefly a little bit about Matt, but really Matt's going to tell his story and you'll get way more out of that. But um, So first of all, Matt is a husband. He's married to Anna. They got a beautiful marriage. I love it. Uh, he's a father. How many kids you got? Uh, together, seven. Seven <laughs> children. Seven children. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, Matt is mission-minded, and it reminds me of a uh, mission trip we went on in probably 2015 where I really got to know Matt. Uh, we went to Arizona and had a really good time, and that week was uh, definitely a, a challenging week, at least for me personally, but I got to know Matt and heard more of his story, and he's going to show that today. It's pretty awesome. I noticed on your Facebook page that it says Child of God. I like that. That was cool. You'll, I'm sure you'll talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, you started a nonprofit called Be Bold Street Ministries. And when did you start that? Yeah, so Be Bold Street Ministries conception was around eight years ago. Nonprofit designation since 2017. Okay. Awesome. And we'll hear more about that. I would call you a world traveler and evangelist. Uh, that's pretty cool. Is there anything else that maybe uh, you want to touch on that you'll talk about later in the story? Is there anything else, or is it is just come as it comes? Yeah, I think it's gonna, <laughs> it's, it's going to be good. Okay, dude, I'm I'm excited, man. Really excited. So we're going to dive in. I'll just kind of ask a, a quick question that will lead us into probably many other questions. But where'd you grow up? Tell me about your early childhood, uh, and really tell the story to where you are today. I know it's going to be a lot and we're going to pack a lot, but um, anyway, you got the stage, my friend. All right. Yeah. So um, life started off really difficult. Uh, my dad was a gang leader within the Latin Kings. Uh, I did 40 years in prison, um, was a drug trafficker, murderer. And um, so that just gives you a little glimpse of what childhood looked like for me and my brother. I had one brother, an identical twin, and, um, you know, my first experience, I guess I would go with drugs cause that ended up being a significant portion of my life, uh, was 27 years in the drug world, um, was with my dad shooting up heroin in the morning. He would have me and my brother tie him off and then, uh, he would nod out on, on those days. And the food that me and my brother got to eat on those days was out of the 25 pound bag of dog food next to the, uh, cast iron stove in the makeshift room out in the garage. And so... At about eight years old, he started letting us drink. At 11 years old, I started using crank. I stabbed somebody, was stabbed myself at the same time. And I understand I'm going to share a bunch of things today. Um, matter of fact, because they were. And um, that's just how it was. And uh, people can look at it and go, man, your life was really messed up. But I never seen it that way um, because the chaos um, was constant and consistent 
both those things mean the same thing because it was always there. And um, we watched our dad kill somebody before we were 10 years old, three feet from us. Watched him take that man's last heartbeat. He then took what that man had, took us to the store, bought us some candy, and then uh, we went and sat at what was known as the pub here locally um, as if nothing had happened because life had no value. Um, I was at 10 years old. Is that what I heard? Before we were 10 years old. Before you were 10. Yep. Yep. Strangled the life out of that man, kicked him in the river for what he had, which equated to, I don't know, maybe just under 50 bucks. Yeah, it was, um, and for us, that was normal activities. Me and my brother's lives were on the line every day because of the life that our father lived. And um, we followed him into that life. I spent 27 years in the drug world, my time in the drug world. I acquired 14 knife wounds, two gunshot wounds. And some of that was me feeding um, the addiction to violence that I had. Um, That addiction was um, something that just continued to just overtake me, um, even more so than all the mind-altering substances. I was so addicted to the violence and the power. um, I thrived on it, and I fed off it. Um, for a good portion of my life. Um, you know, in that time, I was invited to a church, same church that we happen to go go to today, um, at about 12 and a half years old. Um, and I'm like, eh, do I, eh you know what I mean? Um, it's not really for me. And um, had some experiences as a kid. My uncle was a pastor beat me and my brother unrecognizable after he was preaching messages because my dad was in prison. My mom couldn't have us. And so I, I just didn't want any part of it. I'm like, this is somebody that's leading and this is what he's doing to me and my brother behind closed doors. So I wasn't cool with uh, any part of it. And I was a kid, so I wasn't able to make that distinction that, and I had no understanding, right? I was ignorant of the word um, because I hadn't come to faith. So I clustered everybody into that category. Like, this is him, so that's everybody. You know, and um, ultimately, I I found that not to be the case, and that he was not a reflection of Jesus Christ um, while he was brutalizing me and my brother, and um, had some folks really love on me in a way that didn't make sense to me, because in my world, love carried a negative connotation. I love you, but, if, or when, and, or, I need you to do something, whatever it looked like, right? Um, and that was even after I was going to kill a couple of the folks, for sure one of them, uh, that was on the youth staff at that time. I had been disrespected, and um, I get to serve side by side with um, both of those fellows. Now, one came out and interceded, and is Pastor Matt, um, while I was going to take the life of another fella, stick my knife in between his collarbone and, and put it through his heart. And um, I was totally fine with that because um, that's what I was taught. So real quick, just a quick question. When, because I know the story, but when Pastor Matt saw you, I, I literally know you were like crossing the street over by Fred Myers and Commercial Street. You're on your way. How long ago was that? Yeah, so that was about 18 years ago. Yeah, uh, yes, because this year, this coming year will be... About 19 years saved. Okay, okay. Yeah, and that was, I was on the way to torture and kill a man. And um, because he had, I'd heard him on the phone say what he wanted to do to my son, which, who was five years old, about five years old at that time. 
and I wasn't giving him the opportunity, and I know what I could do to another human being and not be bothered by it, and so I was totally going to go do that. And I knew there's no way I'm getting away with it, no matter how much planning goes into this. Um, I'm not getting away with this specific thing, something like that this time, because I'm leaving this guy's house covered in his blood. And I know that's really graphic, but that's how it was. That's where my mind was at. I was going to torture him and kill him. And on the way home, I'd, I'd, I'd gone through the process of doing a party, seeing if I could leave, go torture and kill him, and uh, get back. And on my way back, um, I'm on South Commercial, and uh, it's five lanes of traffic there, right? And so I'm on the west side of the road, and in my mind I'm going, God, you know what? Uh, this is it. I'm, 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 I'm not getting away with this, and I'm okay with it. I just need you to show up. And um, it, it was the if you're real, I need you to show up. And uh, somebody started yelling my name from across the street literally right after that took place in my mind. And I'm going, I didn't think, wow, God just showed up. I was like, my dry run didn't go very well. That was totally where my mind and my heart was at. I'm like, okay, somebody's seen me. I got to figure something else out. A couple days later, somebody shows up to my house and it's Matt. And halfway through our conversation, he's like, didn't you hear me yelling for you? And I'm like, are you serious? You have no idea what took place in my mind the moment before you started calling my name. There was no lapse in time. It was literally the moment that that thought was finished, he started calling my name. And I'm like, instantly God revealed to me there's no such thing as coincidence, happenstance, chance, luck. And um, I believed on Christ. And um, so that was my moment of salvation. Wow. You were how old then? Um, that was like I was in my early 20s because it was after I lost my brother. Yeah. How'd you lose so, your brother? So he ended up coming to know Christ, our Savior, um, through faith and belief in high school. And I watched him change. And most of my high school years, I was locked up. Um, in prison or uh, jail? Uh, yeah, ju- yeah, because I was I, I attempted to take somebody else's life at the high school I went to. Was not the first time, and wasn't for sure the last time, but it was the time that I got caught. And um, so I got out my junior year, and I watched him change. And I'm going, I could see it. And he's like, Matt, it's amazing. And I'm like, that ain't for me, man. It's for somebody else. And um, and then he went back to what God rescued him from. Ended up getting chemical psychosis and um, ended up June 1st, 2004, um, about 2.40, 50-ish in the afternoon, put a sawed-off twenty two to his temple and pulled the trigger. Wow. And, um, yeah, everything changed that day in a moment. And I didn't know the Lord, you know. And uh, but it was one of those fulcrum moments that got me on the trajectory uh, to come and to know Jesus Christ. Uh, if I remember correctly, there was a tattoo on somebody's hand. Mm-hmm. Who am I thinking of right now? I'm, I know there's a story, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, my dad and my brother. There's a couple that come to my mind for sure. Um, well, you know, with my dad, anyways, it said thirteen and a half, um, and what that meant was twelve jurors. One judge, half a chance. The half a chance of getting off was that he absolutely did it, but he had half a chance of getting it off if he took it all the way, you know. 
And then my brother had on his knuckles GFID, um, which stood for God forgives, I don't. And um, he regretted getting that on his hands. But, but he lived a life that reflected that towards the end of his life because he went back into the drug world. And um, forgiveness isn't a thing in that world, you know. And um, But he had expressed his regret with Pastor Matt. He was, just the, he was the administrator at that time of our church. Um, but he expressed that regret in the chapel, the same chapel he was baptized in in high school. Hmm. And um, he was covered. That was one of the things that he asked of me in a letter that he wrote. He's like, I want all my tattoos covered up except my son's name. He didn't want any of them visible. And so we had the, you know, uh, the folks where he was interred um, cover up every tattoo, which was most of his body. Um, mm. It was just covered with wickedness and, and evil images, and he wanted it all covered except for the name of his son. Wow. So fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I can remember... So prior to going on a mission trip in, what, 2015, maybe even 2013, maybe 10 years ago, I remember seeing you, uh, and I don't know you that well at this point in time, at church, and you could barely walk, you have a cane. Um, it's not looking good for you. And you're at this time, you're, you're young to me. You're still a young guy. I'm older than you, obviously. But today I see you work out, you're in good shape. <laughs> yeah. How, how's that happen? I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. Uh, it happens uh, through obedience to God and his word, you know, in Proverbs when it says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Turn away from evil. Right. And it starts to go into it will he- be healing uh, to your bones, refreshment to your soul. That physically takes place for people that come out of the drug world. You know, because you do, you wither away. Like you're putting substances in your body that can start most small engines. And uh, it's not supposed, they're not, it, it, the effects of those substances uh, ravage the body in every way, shape, or form. The mind, the physical being, you know, the vascular system, every portion of it. And um, I was wrecked and I was saved. But I was saying no to Christ no to God, his word, and yes to me. And I produced those results. David did that for a bit. You know, he made some really selfish decisions and then didn't come back in, in, by way of repentance for a period of time. And, um, then, and then we know, you know, that dialogue that takes place. Well, Nathan, yeah, you're the man. Well, you understand it's you. You know what I mean? And um, so today I got a... a uh, op- the path of obedience is my favorite, and um, that's what I get to live out today through surrender, submission, and obedience to our Savior and God's Word. When did the the actual surrender begin? I know you're saved early on, but mm-hmm. when did your full surrender begin? Yeah, so that's amazing. We're literally just a handful of days away from eight years wow. ago, where I called in the middle of the night sitting there looking in the mirror it's like midnight and um in that moment god brought scripture back to remembrance and um it was james 
where the natural man looks at his face in the mirror, right? The natural person looks at their face in the mirror, but as soon as they've walked away, they, you know, disregard, forget. The opposite took place. I seen the train wreck, and I talked to myself. I was just like, I know this is not what God's intended for you. And um, I called Matt, Pastor Matt, and I don't even know what this looks like, but I'm all in. And all in meant my mind was still messed up from the dope because I'm putting a needle in my body and my feet and my arms and my hands wherever I can find a vein every two hours on top of smoking, smoking it, snorting it, all of it. And um, so I'm, I'm not doing well. All in, not doing well. God, just like he met me, at the moment of salvation, met me in that moment, and and he did it. Tell me about uh, living your life on the streets. I know there's a story there that you can uh, expand on. How long do you live on the streets? Yeah. Basically homeless. Would you say homeless? Yeah. Yep. Houseless for almost a decade as an adult, and um, sleeping in bushes, bus stops, um, you know, by creeks, rivers. Wherever I could put my head down for a minute, exposed to the elements, you know, saturated from the rain, freezing to death, shaking uncontrollably, going, is this the night that when I do finally close my eyes, I just don't wake up? And I got to be honest, um, it was absolutely terrible. And it was self-inflicted. And that's not everybody's story, but for me it was. And I didn't want to be there. And I didn't love it. It wasn't cool um, in the midst of it. Um, anybody that says that, hey, I love this life of not being able to care for myself, my hygiene, whether self-inflicted or as a result of life circumstances, they're not telling the truth. That's a societal misconception for people that are on the streets. Nobody enjoys it. Why do you, I mean, the question I would say is, why'd you do it? What caused you to, to live that life for a decade? Not for a night, but for a decade. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. It was it was willful, intentional disobedience, you know, because I continued to chase um, everything that God rescued me from, methamphetamine, you know, booze, everything that went with the drug world, violence. Um, I still continued to pursue the things he had given me victory over. And, um, you know, he had given me the complete victory from the moment of salvation. It was just learning to walk in the victory and not picking things back up and or holding on to things that he wanted to take, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it, it was not fun. My feet were rotting off my body. I had to scrape the dead tissue off so that my feet wouldn't get necrotic. Um, some bone exposure where the toes connected to the foot, literally the muscle exposed because you, your, your feet are saturated for months at a time. There's times where I'd take my sock off, and this is one of those graphic moments, right? And the tissue had grown to the sock, and I just had to rip it all off. And if, there were people that seen me one time, and they called uh, 911 because they thought they had found a dead body because of the smell. Because my feet were exposed, I had taken my shoes off so to try to get some air to them, and they found me in the bushes and thought that I was dead because of the smell and it was not cool I didn't love it I hated every portion of it and I was not a robot I made the continual willful intentional decision to continue 
to use the drugs that I was using. Um, what I had was not a disease. What I had was a sin problem. Hmm. But going back to your childhood, you know, a dad that probably wasn't leading well, an uncle, the pastor, who was living a, it's called a hypocritical life, preaching a message and beating you and your brother. How much did that affect you to the point where maybe you're angry and you're going to live out a different life and you're controlled by that anger? So was it really all your fault? Yeah, you're in sin nature, but maybe you don't know better. There was a lot of things that we had happened to us that were outside of our control that we never wanted to have happen that absolutely determined a good portion of our life. You know, we survived a sexual assault at three years old. Makes no sense. Me and my brother physically survived. And that determined a lot because then I wanted to hurt people. You like hurting kids? Then I'm going to make sure that when this engagement is over with, you don't physically look the same. And I did it, and I was good at it. And um, so that, you know, and that just um, intensified um, my addiction to violence because I'm like, you know, pursuing people that liked hurting children. And, um, you know, because I, I could justify it and redefine it, all those things, all the abuse. And it did determine we were broken kids. And from the outside looking in, you know, um, our dad was in the front page of the papers while we're kids for robberies, this, that, and the other thing. And the a common statement was, you know whose kids those are? You know whose kids they're not? You know, you know what family that is? And so all these, uh, um, you know, judgments were in place. And so we're trying to navigate that as little kids, you know, and then as young teens. We got people, kids of other people that are dads ripped off in the drug world trying to come and get retribution against me and my brother. So then I got to hurt people and I'm okay with hurting people. So I was totally fine with it. But yeah, his lifestyle affected, you know, our whole life. And then I ended up using methamphetamine with my dad. And he's like, I've always dreamed of this. Wow. Son, let's, let's shoot up here real quick. You know, the sins of the father do get passed down, but what I'm seeing, I've seen you in your life because I've known you for, I've known you for a long time, but I know you, I've only known you really since about 2015 where I know who Matt is and I, I've, I've witnessed what God's done in your life. It's a miracle, honestly. I'm like, there's no way what this kid's been through and who he is, he'll never change, but God can do amazing things. And I've seen your life and... You have a shirt on today that says Hope Dealer. We'll talk about that in a moment. What does Hope Dealer mean? Um, But yeah, the sins of the Father get passed down, but God, in His mercy and His grace, has rewrote your story, and you have broken that chain of sin and death and drugs and abuse to hope in Christ, love and grace and mercy, and you're a Hope Dealer. So... You got married a handful of years ago. Uh, so talk to us about, I don't care if you talk about marriage first or you talk about your your nonprofit, uh, Be Bold Street Ministries. 
Go for it. Tell us about that. Yeah, so me and my wife, we're actually getting ready to celebrate our fourth year anniversary here. And also in a handful of days, which is amazing, um, because our home and our marriage is founded on the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And that was one of the things I shared with her. I was like, I don't have things. I don't have money. But what I can share with you today is that I will always love God more than I'll ever love you, which means that I'm going to be able to love you right. Hmm. and correctly and in a way that brings God honor and glory the way he describes love. So never being a clanging gong or a noisy symbol, but one who, you know, loves the way God describes love. And which is cool that we have that marriage. And I have a quote, you know, what is it, Billy Graham, when he said, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we have a great marriage, um, which is what we have. We have a great marriage. We're able to navigate this world with um, Christ as um, our everything, and um, he's at the center of our hearts and our oneness, and um, and then seven kiddos, right? Um, wow. So super blessed, and we get to navigate uh, parenthood during this time, and um, yeah, it's amazing, it's amazing, and so God, spouse, so on, so forth, children. Sounds like your priorities are very right. And I get to see you live it out. I mean, not just on social media, but I actually know you, uh, that you and your wife also lead a ministry, uh, the most excellent way. Um, and probably a few others that I don't know about, but you guys live it out. Uh, yeah. You, what I say is like my marriage is imperfectly perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm imperfect. My wife's imperfect, mm-hmm. but God perfects it. And it's the only hope that we have is is to have a, a, a marriage that lasts, is that he's the foundation. But that's what I get to see from you. And that's that's really an encouragement, especially because you could easily look at your past and Satan could make you feel guilty, ashamed, you know, still angry and bitter. But you choose to look forward, not in the rearview mirror, but looking forward to what God or Christ and Christ have for you and your family. Wow. Absolutely. Tell us about your uh yeah, your ministry, what what God's led you to, you said what 7 or 8 years ago and then mm-hmm. where you are today. Yeah, so God saved us um from a unique kind of darkness to send us back into it. And so Be Bold Street Ministries is an outreach ministry. We go. We're not stationary nor are we sedentary. Um so we are those that um, desire to be seen as followers of Christ. And so um, our pursuit is first God's kingdom, his righteousness, um, sharing the gospel. And again, we go, we go. So, and uh, we go back to those communities and all communities, especially the ones that um, most people are really afraid to go to um, and, and are dangerous because it's part of God's target population. So he saved us from that unique kind of darkness to send us right back into it with the only message of hope, which is, you know, uh, the hope that will never disappoint, the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, which, you know, is um, the shirt hope dealer. (laughs) That is the hope um, that we get to share all over our city, all over the state, all of this nation, and all over this globe. And it's always all for God's glory and his kingdom never about us, never has been about us, never will be about us, but it's amazing he lets us be a part of anything he's doing. 
What's interesting about you when I talk to you about when you come back from, I don't know, is it Mexico or the Philippines, that you go into areas that people say, Matt, do not go into this area. You might not live. You're like, I'm going all in. It's like there's no fear. I, is it that you have no fear or that you just believe that God has a plan? What, what, what is that? And that's interesting to me. So it's both. There is no fear. There was no fear associated with my old life. That was for a totally different reason. Um, that has transferred into the new life, but it's perfect love casting out fear. Um, so we were able to go into these areas, and uh, my heart is steady. My pulse is steady face-to-face with people that absolutely like the, the trip to Mexico, sharing with active cartel members, where there's people that wanted to kill us. They're like, the whole time you were sharing, I seen you only as a threat. And I was like, I understand that. The person that I initially described to you was absolutely a threat to all your money, all your drugs, and your physical life. And I'm okay with taking all of them. I'm, I'm okay with it. But that's not who I am today. I said, but the person I shared post past all that is who I am today. And then to share the gospel and see those folks say yes to the free gift of salvation by belief that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Yeah. And watch it happen and then end up in their home where people are saying, yeah, don't go down there. I don't remember that scripture. <laughs> I don't. It's because all... it's, it's not there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't say except for the cartels. It, it, yeah, and or organized crime and or any, you know, gang-controlled areas. A certain group militants, of sinners. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, we get to go to everybody because we, you know, that's what we do is we go. Uh, Be Bold Street Ministry is an outreach ministry that goes. And um, we love going to send us to the, the cutthroats and the killers. We're equipped. <laughs> I'm sending you, Matt. Uh, I, no, I think the Lord can give us all the courage to go wherever, because that's something I would pray to. He's like, Lord, send me wherever, but oh, but don't send me here. That's not the prayer. The prayer is that, Lord, send me wherever you want me to go. Amen. And the cool thing about you bring up courage, the confidence, courage, and boldness that we have is not something we're producing within ourselves. It comes from God's Spirit that dwells within us. So the same power that rose our Savior from the dead dwells within us, and that's where our confidence, courage, and boldness comes from. It's not something that we're trying to produce within ourselves. It's truly letting God have complete control of every area of life, knowing that even on the other side of the door of those things that He created us for could be significant suffering. And in that, him being glorified. You know, this whole idea of giving up control, because see, I think I'm the best person to control my life. I know that I'm not. I mean, I know I read my Bible and I know that God is in control, but man, don't we love to control and lean on our own understanding, not in God's understanding. Mm-hmm. I, I, I proved what my best is my whole life. And uh, so I prefer to let God do his best. That's what I'm coming alongside other fellows. And they're like, I'm going to do my best, and I just gently, you know, grab him by the arm. And I'm being honest, it's it's gentle. Bro, don't do that. You've proven what your best is. Like Let God do his best, just like I did. I proved what my best is over and over and over. Nobody's thankful. Society for sure is not thankful when I'm in control of my life. Um, but today, 
Um, that's the amazing thing. People actually say um, when they greet me that it's good to see me. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to me. And honestly, it has brought tears of joy to my eyes as I process it, sometimes driving something, a simple engagement like that, that most people would go away from and not give another thought to, is astounding to me because there was a good portion of my life where people were not saying that it was good to see Hmm. me. And I know today that when somebody says it, they mean it. And it's only because of what God's done in my heart and continuing to do and in my mind, renewing it through his word. And my whole heart is completely his. So today I get to sit here knowing that he has inclined his ear towards me and that his eyes completely support me because my heart is completely his. There's no portion left for me. It's all his. Well, for a guy who lived on the street for a decade or more and and did drugs for 27 years or whatever it was, God's done amazing things in your life. You articulate well. You know the word of God. You love well. I appreciate you, man. I really do. I I talk about you a lot, obviously only in the positive, but it's what I see God doing in your life, and God can do all things. He can do all things. Well, Matt, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything left that you want to share that somebody needs to hear or one takeaway that if they heard nothing else, they would hear this? What would? What's the one thing? Yeah. Yeah, what's the one thing? Well, for sure, we share the gospel today already. That is the only hope for the world. All the world has to offer is false hope. And don't ever underestimate what God can do in a life. There's nobody that's too far gone. And it all starts with belief. And then God's promise is in place that he's going to accomplish the work that he starts. So it's about what he's already said he's going to produce and do and finish. And so I guess that's um, thing, you know, one thing that I would go to, there's nobody that's too far gone. The, the, the most sin soaked, sin sick heart globally is not too far gone for the God of all creation so that we wouldn't sit back and get jaded and go, man, look at that person. There's just no way. Uh, so many people said that about me, no hope, lost cause, hopeless again, right? You are too far Unreachable, gone. Unreachable, unlovable. God never said any of those things, but he loves taking the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the things the world says are unimportant. So trust that he's going to continue to do that. And, uh, I mean, we got to pray all the time and we got to share. Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you for sharing your heart today with this community of people that listen to you. And I hope it reaches the world because I think you have a great message that nobody is too far gone and you were In your own mind, you are too far gone. You weren't worth saving, yet God in his grace and mercy chose to save you, bro. That's what's amazing. I'd say, (laughs) well, me too, you know? Yeah. Just real quick, my story was I grew up, mom and dad went to church, wasn't really, wasn't a believer until I was 28, but what it looked like on the outside was a pretty good family. My dad didn't drink, smoke, cuss, you know, they didn't live that life. Yet I too was lost, just like you. And didn't know it. So in my own mind, I think I was probably too far gone. I know what I've done. I know where I've been. So I think we probably all have a similar story. We just, it's not quite as exposed as what yours was. Like you were homeless, living on the streets, shooting heroin. But what about the average person that's in their home just as lost 
they might look what Jesus would call the whitewashed tombs of the Pharisees. They look good on the outside, but on the inside they were dead men's bones. So how many walk around looking like that? Yeah, we could see you or people could judge you. But what about the rest of the world, you know? So anyway, thanks for being a part of this today. I really appreciate all you're doing, your commitment to your to God, to your family, to the community, just to loving people. And you do it really well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, brother. It's a, it's amazing to me. So yeah, it all all the glory, everything good, every perfect gift goes to the Lord. Uh, what I do get credit for, it's called sin. Everything else goes to the Lord. And that's why, you know how I know I'm, I'm, you know, one of the tangible, one of the physical ways I know I'm getting God's grace and mercy. My heart's still beating. Wow. He's giving me what I don't deserve right now. And, he, and he's kept me here for one reason, is to go and share the good news of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for being a part of this podcast today. We've enjoyed bringing it to you, and I hope you have taken a great uh, nugget away from what Matt has shared. He's shared his heart, his soul with you, all the good, bad, and the ugly, and what God can do in that. Please share this podcast with anybody you might think that would be in, uh, positively impacted. And if you have any questions, hey, Matt, how would somebody reach out to you if they wanted to hear more from you or meet with you? Mm-hmm. What would they do? Yeah, so they can go to our website, www beboldstreetministries.org and put in a submission form. We would love to connect. We would love to answer any questions, have more communication. And so they can do that. They can do that through our social media page, um, Facebook, Instagram. They can get a hold of us. And and those uh, also have our phone number um, because we're accessible. Yeah. And so, yeah. And then please pray for us. So far this year, we've seen over 20,000 people say yes to the free gift of salvation. So, uh, prayers matter. Prayers matter. Way well, man, bro. Um, we just want to say a quick thanks to the rec for hosting this podcast. We appreciate what they do, what they stand for and how they influence the community as well. Thank you. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.